0: You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we attempt to crack the code to success in the entertainment industry one conversation at a time. And of course, to do that...
1: We have to have those conversations and those conversations take place with actors and casting directors and managers and agents and uh, producers and writers and anyone involved in the entertainment industry. And then we package them up in this nice little podcast and we deliver them to the retail stock room where you're folding clothes (laughs) so that you have something to listen to. While you're doing that, that's right. or driving in Los Angeles, or mm-hmm. getting ready to go on stage, I'm trying to think of all the different places that our right, our listeners right. have said I listen to you when I do X. Well, what do we have? We have in the
0: gym, we have at the home gym. on the
1: computer. Uh, some girl said while she's uh, um, cooking and stuff, she listens to. Yeah, it. Uh, uh, Freddie, who we're going to talk about today, said uh-huh. he does it when he's in the stock room at Abercrombie. Yeah, uh, and then Matt Wilder said he does it. He listens to us before he goes on stage. Oh, that's uh, a lot so of people cool. listen to us when they're on road. Trips. That's how Ben Whitehair started listening to yeah, us. Yeah, that's right. Of course, we want to keep this as open a dialogue as possible. Um, We've yep. got your voice on today's podcast, um, and you guys know how to do that, right? I hope you do. InsideActingPodcast.com. Yeah. Dot, dot cam. Dot cam. Uh,
0: lots of different ways to uh, get in touch with us. So uh, this um, is episode twenty-six, and we have part two of J.K. Simmons' interview. Yes. Um, again, we were. I mean, we did we did, all, did the whole thing in one hit. But uh, this is the same. This is part two of the same interview where we were invited uh, on the set of the closer into his trailer to talk to him for an hour and just kind of glean some some
1: insights and wisdom. We we got some amazing donations this week and we just you know we always want to let you guys know how appreciative we are of that because it keeps this going you know there's multiple ways of responding to us uh with the voicemail and the and the website and twitter and whatnot um and you know the donations are are just another way and we we love it all and it it just lets us know that we're not talking into a void we're just every cent that we get is like amazing so um yeah We got two very, very generous donations this
0: week. We got one from um, Marcel Lee, who's a a follower on Twitter. I recognize the username. And also from Philip Wimmer, uh, who is also someone who's actually now a a multiple-time donor. He's actually um, contributed to our podcast
1: a few times. See, the gentleman who lives in Germany. The Germany, Germany. yeah. He's from Germany. We have a lot of... Listeners in like Germany, Austria, uh-huh. Eastern Europe, uh, Australia, England. Um, yeah, I feel like awesome. he. I feel like he is like spreading the word in, in Eastern <laughs> Europe. I feel like <laughs> he's he telling just, all his non-American friends. <laughs> yeah, well, because every now and then I'll see uh, a mention of the at Inside Acting uh, Twitter account on mm-hmm. on Twitter, and I can't read it. Yeah, because cause it's, it's in, in it's German. In German or. Yeah. You know, yeah. some other language. So yeah. uh, thanks, guys. Yeah. You're all amazing. Thank, Thank you, you for uh, so the Follow Fridays and the, and the shout-outs and the donations. We got a, a, a voicemail and an email, and we got them both a long time ago, probably uh, towards like the, like the third week in May. Yeah. Um, and just because of our crazy schedules and everything else that we had going on, and the fact that, you know, I was out of town, we haven't had a chance to get to them. But then when we came back around to them, we realized they were kind of related to one another. So it's kind of a good thing yeah. that we're just getting to them now. Yeah. The voicemail is from Zach Estacchio. Uh, and the email is from um, Freddie Valateo. Valateo. Is Valateo, is that his last name? We, uh, for, first of all, uh, we're going to read... Uh, a little bit of freddie's email on the Mm -hmm. podcast zach's voicemail because he had so much to share with us um we're not gonna play it but we're gonna talk about it Uh, we're gonna kind of break it down into um its main parts
0: yeah zach zach you brought up a lot of really interesting stuff that i think a lot of people will be able to benefit from um uh, of just from us us talking about it uh, a j and i don 't necessarily know the answers, but um it it helps to kind of get it out there in the in the realm of in, uh consciousness or whatever you want to say
1: yeah so uh Freddie, thank you for the kind words about the the podcast he 's the one who um, uh, is probably listening to us in the in the in the stockroom at abercrombie the subject i love the subject heading of his email the subject heading of his email is when are you ready mm mm-hmm. And he goes on to kind of explain that he's got like all of these classes lined up. He's SAG eligible. He knows, who, you know, the coaches that he wants to take from, the commercial classes that he wants to take. But he wants to know when he should start pursuing a theatrical agent and a theatrical career. Yeah. And he sort of points to some of his friends who are really gung ho about it, mm-hmm. sort of pursuing it to an extent that he's not even pursuing it to but he feels as though they're almost being disrespectful because they are not being acting students they're Mm -hmm. just going for it whereas he feels like he's not ready and so he's really taking this sort of slow methodical path to save up money to take classes so that he can be ready and his question is when are you ready because he sees all of his friends just going for it whereas he is you know According you know study, yeah. So what you know we could talk about this forever, yeah. But what were some of your initial responses to this? Well, we we've we've talked about
0: this in different aspects of this this same kind of idea of, of when do you know when do you when are you ready to kind of take the next step in your career. Um, several times before in the podcast, the most recent time being with uh, Una Love, but she was more talking about the the day job financial kind of situation right. aspect of it. Uh, and, and Freddie's big question is when are you ready to kind of take the next step and start pursuing, uh, uh, theatrical agents and getting into casting director workshops and things like that. And Mm -hmm. the the gist I got from his email is that maybe he doesn't feel like he's quite ready because he's, he's got all these things lined up, but he hasn't actually started moving forward on them due to uh, a day job. That's not quite covering things. And maybe, um, maybe some friends that, that, uh, that are moving forward with it, but they don't have the same training or the same standards of training, maybe um, that, that Freddie does. So um, this is always a tough one because, you know, our, our, one of our kind of evolving mantras on this podcast is fail forward. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to meeting casting directors and, and working with agents, I mean, these people do remember you. And uh, there are several casting directors I've talked to who've said, I have a lot of people, that, that, a lot of actors that I see in workshops over and over again, but they're just not ready yet. It's, it's a tough one. You know I mean? I, I'm going to c- kind of go back to what I, I said a few episodes ago and say that I feel like, for me, I know when I'm ready from like a pure kind of acting ability standpoint, when I start feeling comfortable in front of a camera on an in an on-camera class and being able to play around with that you know when i feel like i can experiment on my feet in front of the people that are you know quote unquote evaluating me then i feel like i'm ready so th- this is a big question with a lot of different aspects of, of answer to it but that's that's the first thing that comes to mind how about you aj
1: i i want to expand on that because i think that's really interesting and this <laughs> uh i had a i had a really amazing acting teacher named uh, joe olivieri when i was attending uh UCLA, And uh, one of the things that always stuck out to me about what he said is if the audition of a lifetime comes along, like like, you know, auditioning for, you know, Ashland uh, Shakespeare Festival or some Steven Spielberg feature film. And it's tomorrow and you don't feel ready. He said, don't go. That's what they will remember you for. That's they'll remember you as being unprepared, not necessarily a good actor. Uh, you know, that's that's the impression that you're going to leave on them. The first impression, too. The which first is impression, hard to break. Yeah, and I always that always stuck with me because you know we get hungry. As actors, And we want to, you know, it's like if a big audition comes along, you know, I've had several in the last couple of weeks. We haven't really had a chance to talk about ourselves on the podcast recently. But Trevor and I have been uh, going out a lot, Mm -hmm. actually. And uh, like Trevor said, you know, the two of us, after um, uh, continuously failing forward and getting some training and stuff, we kind of do feel uh, prepared enough to go into some of these bigger auditions. But he said, you know, if you don't feel ready, you shouldn't go because mm-hmm. that's the impression that you'll leave. And I always thought that was it was very humbling and something to kind of take take along with you. Yeah. I don't know how these friends of yours are doing in the room necessarily. But uh you know, there's something to be said for that I mean we keep saying it, right, fail forward, but there's something to be said for that sort of audacity of like uh you know, I'm I'm fresh off the bus from the Midwest. I've never taken an acting class in my life, and I'm going to walk into, you know, this feature film audition and 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 nab it. Mm-hmm. And that that happens actually, but it's very Cameron rare. Diaz.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a there's a bunch of actors that I can yeah. think of offhand that yeah. that's happening. Cam- I
1: know Cameron Diaz was like in a Starbucks, and some casting director was like, "You're beautiful, like come audition." And she thought he was like nuts or whatever, and then she went and she ended up booking some, and that's yeah. how she started. Yeah, it's like there's there's so many different paths there's no way to know if you're ready or not unless you're actually out there
0: doing it this brings to mind uh the neil mcdonough interview that we did where neil would just say he would go into these auditions and he would just kind of make sure that he nailed it and i feel like one thing that kind of clicked for me this week that we've talked about um aj if you go if if you just make sure that you're prepared just do the work, you know, get in there, like go out, go to these auditions, whether you feel ready or not, um, you know, in a career sense. But if you do the work for that specific audition, that yeah. specific meeting, then you're going to be ready for that. Right. And that's how your career moves forward is yes. when you start hitting
1: those little tiny tiny things over and over and over yes. again. Yes. Yeah, so, it's almost like breaking it down to it's like when we talked about goals for 2010. It's like breaking it down into like its increments. Yeah. As opposed to saying, "When am I ready to start going out theatrically?" Yeah. Like that question is so huge as opposed to saying, "Am I ready for this audition? Am yeah. I ready for this meeting with this agent?" you know, and get yourself prepared for that. Yeah. And and, you know, yes. I mean, and there's a million ways to do that. You can start shooting your own little
0: shorts with your friends. You can audition for student films. I mean, I think, um, Zach was saying that he submits to LA casting and actors access and now casting stuff every day. And I think that's absolutely key. You know, some of the best footage in my reel is from student films that I, that I booked and I, I'm I'm a better auditioner now because of those student films that I auditioned for. And I, you know, there's a stigma around a lot of student films in la because a lot of them aren't very good and you, you never really know what you're getting involved with but, but sometimes they're really good mm-hmm. and sometimes those directors go on to do some big things or make connections after they graduate and and if they remember that you went to that audition you did a good job whether you booked it or not or maybe you did book it and they want to bring you on for another project that stuff trickles down you know it it, it It all kind of comes around. Yeah. So, you know, if maybe you're not ready for a theatrical agent, you feel, but start with the build up to that, you know, start with the student films and and build up to it. Yeah. Because theatrical agents um, are always going to want to see footage or real. I would say on a tangible level, if you're going to start courting theatrical agents, um, make sure you have all your materials in order. You know make sure you have your your resume formatted properly make sure you you are starting to build relationships with casting directors make sure you have some footage on your on your reel um there are different levels of agents that are willing to take different amounts of risk on talent um but have something you know even if it's just a
1: scene of course, be as prepared as possible, mm-hmm. which we've talked about before on the podcast like go in with your lists what your goals are you know don't oversell it don't don't uh be that uh too needy person that Bonnie talked about in uh, episode 24 but be prepared yeah you know
0: you're you're hiring them to do a job for you that's the weird thing about this agent it's like oh but the agent can get me auditions and this and that you can get plenty of auditions yourself in fact mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who do cast and director workshops regularly and since they've done them so often and developed these relationships they book without an agent yeah. a lot I mean the agent really comes into play uh, getting you in on projects that maybe they don't know you for, or maybe when they need to negotiate a contract, you're the one doing this. You know, the agent is just going to kind of facilitate that process.
1: All of this kind of segues into Zach's voicemail.
2: First
0: of all, thank... Thank you both of you guys for calling in and kind of almost making yourself guinea pigs. It can be really scary to call into a show and, and have us use your real names and, yeah, and talk about all you know, all the insecurities you have about the, the your, your career and the the things you're struggling with, and maybe even some failures you've had. Failure being a, a relative term, of course. But I mean, it takes balls to do that. So thank you guys for yeah for stepping up and doing it. Absolutely, yeah, I, lots of actors out there
1: are benefiting from these conversations. I hope <laughs> huh. he brings up a lot of the same the same questions he's got a slightly different situation he's not in la currently and so you know he's having a hard time balancing the saving up of money to make it to la with the spending of money on classes i think the big things that stuck out to me is he he doesn't
0: want to fail you know air quotes fail Mm -hmm. um he's 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 unsure of how he's going to be able to handle rejection was kind of the vibe that I got from the things he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and also how do you make it work with, with a day job? He said, it's LA is much more expensive than where he's living right now. And how do you make it work? I I want to respond to the failure thing and the rejection thing first, because I I mentioned this in JK's interview. I think I edited this part out, but I (laughs) said something about rejection and I, and I responded and I said, well, actually I think rejection is a myth. And he was like, "Oh well, I'd like to hear how rejection's a myth." You know? <laughs> and he brought it up like he brought it up like four times. And I was like, "I should really qualify this before I start throwing stuff like that around." Um, but I read this in a book, and it really stuck with me. And the the idea of rejection being a myth is that you you're not really rejected from anything. If if you audition for a job, and you don't get the job, you didn't have the job before you went into the audition. And you didn't have it after you came out of the
1: audition. Nothing changed. And when you're rejected, amazing. when you're rejected, quote-unquote... M- I'm, I'm my mind is being blown <laughs> right now. Because I've actually never thought of that before.
0: Well, and here's the crazy thing. we were talk- I was talking to a friend of ours that, that AJ and I both know. And, and right now, she's auditioning some actors for a project that we're, we're all kind of working on. And we were talking about it. Not necessarily these actors in specific, but we just kind of got to talking about uh, a general discussion of, of actors auditioning and it's like you can be a great actor and just not be right for the part it happens all the time mm-hmm. I had an audition on Thursday that I felt like I did really well at and I could tell right right as soon as I was done they were like thank you so much that was really really good and I could tell I knew that I did a good job with it and I knew that when I walked out of the room I felt good about it but I could tell that I just wasn't right for it just by the way they reacted they were like no that's not the kid ca- he doesn't look like that you know great actor but doesn't doesn't have Book the office, not the role. Exactly. Book so, the office, so, not the role. So rejection doesn't exist <clears throat> for me. And I, I don't think it exists for anybody. It's, it's all what you put on it mentally. And the same thing with failure. I mean, you have to define failure for yourself. What is, what is failure? Failure for me, failure for me is being lazy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> failure for Amen, me is saying, is saying I'm going to go out and, and, you know, just for instance, um, do five casting director workshops this month. And I don't do any because I didn't want to get my ass off the couch. That's failure. <laughs> Casting director workshop fail. Yeah. But I could change that at any moment. You know, I, yeah. it's not, if you never fail as long as you are still out there, giving it an honest try. Right. So those two things, I, I don't think it's even a concern. I think that's all, they're all weird mental games that actors play with themselves. Yeah. You know, definitely. And the, the, the the other thing that he talked about, he said, you know, these day jobs, which he said, you know, I don't want to wait tables and be 40 years old and be that actor. That's still waiting tables and blah, blah, blah. Can you even make enough money to live waiting tables in LA? My answer is yes. I waited tables when I came out here for about two months and I was making about 700 bucks a week, uh, at an, a pretty upscale sushi place. Well, the the nice thing
1: about uh, being a waiter in California too is, uh, and this is specifically for California. um, is they have to pay you minimum wage. Mm -hmm. It's state law that they have to pay you minimum wage, and then you get tips on top of that. Um, So you'll be making at least minimum wage, if not more, plus tips. Uh, In other states, they're allowed to include your tips as part of your wages, your sort of like estimated tips. And so you could basically just get up to minimum wage and maybe a little bit above because they're paying you like three dollars an hour or something like that because you're it's estimated that you'll make such and such in tips so waiting tables that's why so many actors end up doing it yeah Yeah, it's it's flexible and you know when I was in Philly I was
0: making 283 an hour it's my hourly wage and out here I think minimum wage is up to like what seven something now uh yeah I think yeah seven and I think it's still going up they're like
1: they're incrementally raising it until a certain cutoff point some some year well one of the, I mean I think one of the things that I've been taking away from this is going to sound like totally terrible but I'm gonna say it anyway one of the things that I've been taking away from our own podcast <laughs> um but but more from you and you I think the first time it got brought up was in your conversation with Chris in episode eight or six or seven whenever yeah you know, seven Chris I think it in. was yeah. Which is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. There has to be some part of you that's okay with the idea of still waiting tables at 40 Mm -hmm. as long as you are continuing to act yeah does that make sense that's I mean, oh,
0: I, that's another thing where it's like <coughs> it
1: sounds like i'm- it sounds like I'm like, hey, be complacent with where you are Zach like you know that's where <laughs> that's where you're gonna be for the rest of your life man but i'm not i'm not it's not about that it's there has to be some part of you that is aware of the fact that you know it's like it's like what j k says in his interview i I think it was in part one too where he says, if you're in it for the money, if you're in it for the fame, get out yeah Get out now. Be in it for the work. Which Zach is because in his voicemail he even said if I am not acting I go crazy. I feel that. I know what that's like. I, I, I can t- completely empathize with that. And I know there's a lot of actors out there who are like that. It's a self-expression thing I think. Mm-hmm. I've always attributed it to being an, an artist and, and, and the fact that you get this outlet that a lot of people don't get. Um, so be grateful Be grateful for that as well. Yeah. It sounds like he has that passion, and that's what he wants to do, and that's where he wants to place his focus. Mm-hmm. And so no, nothing can take take that away from you except for yourself. Yeah. You know, you can only be your own sort of well, worst enemy, but you're sort of the only thing holding yourself back.
0: Yeah. You it, know? It's part of that define failure thing. It's like when he said, I'm afraid of failing, and we're all afraid of failing, but it's it's what is, what is, what is failure for you? does it exist? And if it does, what is it? You know, are you talking about failing at a career or failing because your lifestyle doesn't meet the standards that you want? You know, it's like if you're waiting tables at 40, that, that implies a certain lifestyle, you know, a certain set of standards. That's only a failure. If you think that you should be better than that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's tons of people do that. You know I mean? I think it's a question of standards. It's like how, how, how much are you willing to to sacrifice in the pursuit of this? And sometimes it's it may end up being a lot. You may be eating, you know, as I frequently do, eat rice and beans every day of the week. And sometimes you have enough money to go out and get a steak. So I think it comes down to like, how, how attached are you to those kind of standards of living? I mean, gosh, this is a big question.
1: I think there is a lot to be said for what Neil McDonough said in his interview about confidence. If you go into an audition and you are extremely prepared You've done the work. You know the lines, backwards and forwards. You've done some character work. You are as comfortable as you can be, as prepared as you can be. That is a successful audition, Mm -hmm. and that is a successful actor. And there's nothing that can really take that away from you. I go into these rooms now, and... like I was talking to you before we started recording, the rooms keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Anybody follows me on Twitter or Facebook knows that I just went in for a series lead on sci- the Sci-Fi channel, but I'm still not booking. I haven't booked anything major in a really long time. But I think my point that I'm trying to make is that because you know we were talking about dealing with quote unquote rejection, I know that two things. One is I am content. Only cows are content, dear. Who said that? Wasn't it uh, Hagen or somebody said that? (laughs) Um, I don't know, actually. We should look that up. I'm content. And what I mean by that is, like, even though I've been doing a lot of 99-seat theater, um, smaller projects, so on and so forth, that kind of stuff makes me happy. And then the second part of that is whenever I don't book, rather than taking 24 hours to be a bastard, like... Uh, Bonnie Gillespie's friend. <laughs> right. I just think to myself, okay, it wasn't that one. It wasn't that one. Maybe it'll be the next one. Maybe it'll be, you know, 12 from now. Yeah. But it wasn't that one.
0: Jack Canfield says in his book, The Success Principles, there's a formula he, he uses. <clears throat> to you know, quote uh, to again deal with quote unquote rejection, and that formula is sw and it stands for some will, some won't, so what, someone's waiting. And I think it's so brilliant. Because say that again. Some will, some won't, so what? Someone's waiting. It's like so. You didn't get it. Move on to the next. Someone is waiting to say yes you know and if you're doing the work if you're going out there and you're you're really you you're, you have integrity and you're living and you're keeping holding yourself to the highest standards you can with your work it's gonna land
1: there's no perfect answer for either one of these questions discussions debates whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. Zach Freddie, and anyone else if we didn't answer your question if you there's more to discuss uh, call us send us another email tweet at us whatever you you know however you want to get in touch with us even if they're not questions even if you just have thoughts if you want to just bounce some ideas back at us please do I keep waiting for you know someone to not be satisfied with what we're talking about on the podcast does that make sense. I keep waiting for somebody to go, "Wait a second. I have something I want to say about that subject and then either call us or write us an email to kind of respond to one of our listeners." Right. Because I would I would love 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 and I know Trevor agrees with me because we've talked about this. I would love for the discussion to begin uh, amongst our listeners, mm-hmm. not just, you know, sort of this Q&A, you know, you guys ask questions, we dispel what little knowledge that we have. We want it to be an open dialogue, as we say at the top of every episode. We're waiting for you.
0: Yeah, please don't be shy about that. We, we invite that kind of uh, controversy, maybe. Is that a good word? Uh, uh, what's the word? Dissent. Dissent.
1: Di- di- dialogue? Diatribe? tribe. I don't know. Something like that. This can be part of your email. <laughs> when you send us an email <laughs> right. to respond to Freddie and Zach, tell us what word we're trying to think. put in the subject line. Cool. Well, uh, Yeah. That,
0: that, those are huge questions, but I hope that um, this kind of discussion, which was which is went on <laughs> quite a bit here, yeah. I hope that um, people um, got you guys thinking about it, you know, yeah. and, and definitely got us thinking about it. I'm, I'm going to keep thinking about this for the next week or two, I'm sure. Um, and you know, send us your thoughts. In the meantime, we're going to jump into this interview. We got part two with J.K. Simmons uh, of Oz,
1: Spider Man, uh, the Closer, Fame. Juno, Juno, oh yeah, Juno. Um, I remember when we sat down to interview him, and he started talking about Juno. I was like, man, I love that movie, and I completely forgot that you were in it because he's yeah. just—he's such a good character actor that like everything he does, like he just seems a little bit different in yeah. everything that he does. And anyway, yeah. uh, such a fantastic actor, and like really generous, warm guy too. Yeah. It was—it was, it was a really great experience. Yeah. Cool. So without further ado... Yeah, enjoy this. guys.
0: You mentioned in one of your emails to us, I think, something that we both thought was just absolutely gold. Yeah, yeah. You, you basically said my only advice is that i was kind of in the right place at the right time
1: and i and i answered the phone and that's it and yeah. i was like you could we could talk about that for like an hour like what what is what does that mean you, i was in the right place at the right time and i all i did was pick up the phone so there's my well, advice
2: you know all it is and it's not uh, you know i referred earlier to just not really having a plan or an ambition or you know i just i, I sort of stumbled into doing theater and it and it struck a chord in me and there were lots of pretty girls there and you know I just thought well this is this is really cool and at the time I was pursuing a music to, career and I thought you know it's not like I'm going to go be Leonard Bernstein you know because I'm going to the University of Montana you know I'm not, I'm not going to Juilliard or somewhere else and, and that's going to be an incredibly difficult career no matter what so you know I'll just keep stumbling along doing what I'm doing and having fun and, and hopefully I can go do summer stock in Montana for the rest of my life and you know, find a way to make ends meet during the rest of the year and, and hopefully do theater. I really, you know, if somebody had come along and I had looked exactly right for, you know, some big part in some film or a TV show when I was 24 years old, I, I would have failed miserably because I, I really didn't, it took me a long, long time to really figure out how to do this well, you know? And at first I was, I was getting away with, uh, um, you know, being able to sing and doing musicals and being uh, being able to sort of goof around and 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 just you know be funny. But I didn't really aspire. I, I, I really. I mean, when I was like twenty five years old, I was still going back to Montana to do summer stock. I was I was living in Seattle, doing you know most of the time making a living doing theater and and you know waiting tables when I had to. I still had no concept of ever moving to New York or L.A. and having a, a you know a, a real you know, big time showbiz career. I just, I was just having fun. Unfortunately, I was, you know, single and stupid and didn't have responsibilities, you know, financial responsibilities at the time. So uh, things literally just came along at the right times. I was doing plays in Seattle and and getting experience along the way, working with a lot of good directors, uh, you know, guys who, who were really adept at, uh, at getting something out of young actors who didn't have a clue what they were doing and then you know then the, the musical came along in, in Idaho it was called Cowboy it was the life story of Charlie Russell who was a Montana artist and cowboy and and that was enough of an impetus to get me to New York where of course you know we didn't take Broadway by storm and again in New York you know I, I had a couple of old friends there you know directors and people who you know who had sort of nurtured me along and uh, I, was, I was just able to really so gradually so slowly you know take one step after another and i was doing a a a workshop in new york and one of the other guy's agents came to see it and then you know he's he asked me if you know i I wanted him to represent me as a you know as an actor and that was that was my first i never hunted for an agent i stumbled into one because you know a friend of a friend and, this, you know, the same thing, you know, so he sent me out for a few regional auditions. I went in for one. It was a part that I was just perfect for, and I got the job. And then, you know, I went away for eight weeks and did a little night music. And when I came back, that same casting director, you know, now I'm on his list. One thing continues to lead to another. You know, I met Jerry Zachs, uh, you know, who's a big Broadway director, doing a, a, a workshop of a, of a new musical that I got into because I knew somebody from NYU who knew the writer, who knew, you know... And, uh, and Jerry Zachs directed this this production And, you know, for years after that um, He thought of me when he was casting Broadway shows and, and I did Guys and Dolls with him I did Laughter on the 23rd Floor with him I may be doing a show with him here at the Taper in the fall In my case, at least You can stumble into these things But then, you know To me, aside from, you know Just hopefully having quote-unquote talent And being able to do what they're asking you to do At least half of the Uh, of what you need to do is just be a collaborator, be a reasonable guy, be able to listen, be able to take direction and, and just be somebody that, uh, that people want to work with again. You know? Um, I mean, it it wouldn't have mattered how good, I don't think (laughs) it would have mattered, you know, uh, how good I was in guys and dolls. Uh, the first thing I did with Jerry, if I was a giant pain in the ass, he wouldn't have hired me for laughter on the 23rd floor. So don't be a giant pain in the ass. That's my career advice. <laughs>
1: there it is. Well, I, I, I think it's so interesting. We get a lot of uh, listeners who ask us um, various forms of the question, when are you ready? You know, uh, And it could be, when are you ready to get an agent? When are you ready to go out on auditions? When are you ready to start acting? When are you ready to quit your day job and just focus on acting? When are you ready? When are you ready? And I think it's so fascinating that you said at 24 – you weren't ready for something like, you know, if Oz or The Closer were, you know, a, a, a you know, primetime television show comes along and is like, yeah. you know, we want you, you're perfect for this role, that you weren't ready for that. Now, with that, are you talking about in terms of your acting skill or are you talking about in terms of your ability to handle the, yeah, b- the it, quote unquote business? In my
2: case, it was all of the above. <clears throat> you know, I, I was, uh, um, I was really 24 going on, you know, 17 Uh, in a lot of ways at the time and certainly as an actor i mean i had i had no training you know I I, i stumbled into it and i and uh the the tiny bit of training that i have had is really incidental you know i've learned by doing uh and by and by being fortunate enough to work with directors you know who were who were nurturing at the right stages of my career and now you know now that i've grown into you know the 50 something character actor that i was always sort of meant to be you know and i and i have a resume and a reputation and and all of that then uh you know in in my my sort of rung of the ladder wherever that is you know um I, you know I have a, a pretty comfortable career and a and a level of of uh respect I, I always use Brad Pitt as the and and I and I don't mean it to be at all pejorative you know but I mean if you're like an incredibly good looking you know charismatic 24 year old you know then you know that's a different thing I I, I happen to think brad is like a really really underrated actor I, you know so uh, you know i use him as an example only that you know he's uh, you know he's a great looking guy so yeah so i wasn't ready you know personally in my own personal maturity i wasn't ready in in uh, my level of uh, of you know having refined or developed you know whatever talent i have and i also wasn't ready you know because um you know because the parts i was born to play the parts that I just, you know, fit into, that I'm castable in, are the parts that I'm playing now, you know. And when I was, when I was you know, in my late 20s, you know, uh, if they'd have cast me as, uh, um, you know, Juno's boyfriend instead of Juno's dad, you know, I just, I didn't have that in me, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't prepared for that. And, you know, fortunately by the time I met Jason Reitman and you know, I was, you know, I was the right guy for that part, you know.
1: Now, you mentioned being a, a collaborator with these people and that sort of, in addition to not being a huge pain in the ass, uh, helped you to continue to work with them. I'm really curious to know how things like Macbeth make it into Oz. Like, is that something that you bring because you, of your sort of theater background or, you know, because there's all this sort of theater Stuff Shakespeare musical theater that somehow sneaks its way into work that I've seen you do in film and television. I'm wondering if that's all you, or if that's you know uh, something that's coming from you know Sam Raimi as well.
2: Yeah, no, that I mean, like the odd stuff, the you know the the you know the play within the play, the Macbeth thing, and, and and the and the wacky musical episode that we did of that, I mean, that was, that, you know, had maybe 1% to do with me. I mean, that was a show, you know, we're shooting this, you know, this gritty prison drama. We're doing it in New York, where, which is the center of, you know, I mean, it's Broadway, you know, so you have, uh, all this theater talent. I mean, much of that cast was, you know, Oz was our first TV thing. It was a bunch of you know, it was a bunch of little theater sissies running around trying to act like tough guys, you know. <laughs> and so when Tom came up with the idea, that's an interesting story too, actually, because when he came up with the idea for the musical episode, um, it was because Harold Perrineau, who played uh, Augustus Hill, the character in the wheelchair, who sort of narrated, he was like the Greek chorus, you know. Um, he was off making a Matrix movie, which Tom Fontana, by the way, is like the ultimate mench. He was. Always cool about when an opportunity came along for one of us or another. He, you know, he was just a prince about making it happen. You know, but then you know, so he's thinking, okay, I don't have Harold for whatever these four episodes or whatever it is, and um, I got to come up with a different concept. What am I going to do? You know, some some other kind of sort of, you know, otherworldly or you know, out of reality kind of. Concept. So he calls me and leaves a, This is in the answering machine days. He calls me and uh, leaves a message on my answering machine at home. And this is after he's had me, you know, crucify people and rape people and, you know, have, you know, somebody crap on my face. And, do, you know, I mean, he's put my character through a fair amount of, you know, horrible stuff. So I get a message from him. And this is the first time this has ever happened. I get a message from him on the home phone saying, hey, JK, it's Tom. Had an idea for the show, but uh, you know, I wasn't sure if it was something you know that you'd be uh, that you'd be up for. So I just uh, you know, I want to talk to you about it. So I'm thinking, what the hell can this? be? <laughs> what could he possibly? I mean, he, you know, he's had every form of like murder, rape, humiliation, degradation that you could possibly you know put somebody through. What the hell does he want me to do? So I call him up and he's kind of hemming and hawing. He goes, "Well, you know." I appreciate you to, uh, you know I, I, one of the things I love about our show is that you know we have all these you know all you guys are you're like the bravest actors I know and it's you know I pre- and I was like what do you want me to do you know and he said well I'm, I want I want to maybe have you sing <laughs> you know <laughs> and I was like it was like this huge sigh yeah, of relief you but it wasn't have you, know, you do what some, you have been doing yeah, for years years, and years, and years, and years. Like, <laughs> get raped by a horse or something you know <laughs> um, so I went yeah yeah I'll sing <laughs> that sounds great no problem so uh um and you know he had all this great I mean he had he had uh, uh Rita Moreno and mm-hmm. and uh there were a dozen people in the cast who were you know legit like Broadway singers and then a lot of people who you know who, who hadn't been on Broadway but who also had that uh, in their uh, in their quiver um so uh so yeah whatever that was that was a really fun sort of uh, digression and uh, um and a chance to to do something different but really the, the thing about collaborating that I was talking about is I mean, there are some films I, I just did, you know, I've been doing a lot of indie films lately um, because there are so many great, great scripts out there. I just, I did one earlier this year in New York where I was, for the first time ever, I was like the the number one on the call sheet guy and uh, and was hired early on, was asked to do a just brilliant script by uh, Gwynn Lurie and Gary Marks, a, a film that may or may not be called Mr. Tambourine Man. And, uh, and so from the very beginning, when I first met the director, it was like a, a very sort of equal... I mean, you know, he's the director of the movie, but but he was very, uh, uh, wanted my input uh, as as they went on with the casting. I got to have some input there. And then, you know, as we were shooting, I, I sort of, and I, I think, I hope, you know, in a completely positive way, you know, uh, I've always, always, always really just naturally been. I was going to say I tried to be, but it, I, it, it just, to me, it just comes naturally. It's whatever the way I was brought up. You know, try to be a team player, and and the play's the thing, and you know we're all we're all trying to do the best thing here, and if we're not, you know, if we are out for ourselves, then go away because I don't want to work with you. So anyway, in in that spirit, you know, I was even as we were shooting, you know, I found myself, and this is something I've I've almost never done, you know, I found myself, you know, suggesting, you know, how how about if we set this shot up this way, or you know, and and always, you know, where I would take Jim, the director, you know, and I would say, hey, can I you know, not like taking over the set, like I'm the star of the movie and this is the way I want to set up the shot, but, uh, you know, trying to have more and more input into uh, into the whole film because I felt like as one of the two or three real central characters in the film uh, and as the, you know, the, the, the first hire, you know, that I uh, uh, it was just important to me that we make the movie as well as we could. And uh, so in that case, uh, the, the collaboration was really, you know, almost like a... a like a movie star or like a or like a uh, uh, like a like a co-producer or something somebody who is having input on on little script changes and 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 this and that and the other thing in in most of my jobs working with you know film directors or or on tv it's when i say collaborating i, I just i'm not having a lot of input uh beyond trying to create my character i'm but but even that at its best, is, is very collaborative because, you know, when the director is telling you how they see a scene being played or approached or if you've done your homework and if you're, if you're doing a part that you actually understand and connect with, then, then you, um, at the same time that you're serving the overall piece, you're protecting the integrity of, you know, what you believe is the integrity of your character. So you, so you need to find ways to uh, make those two tasks come together which is you know obviously a, a, on a sort of case by case basis but yeah the 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 idea of collaboration i don't mean to overstate that i'm that i'm always involved in all aspects of of a project i mean a, a lot of times i'm the guy that comes in for you know a week or or you know a couple days or like up in the air you know one scene you know and just you know you come in and and they sort of they know what they're getting and they know what they expect and you know you're you're having I have my own perspective on what this character is and what the scene is. But obviously, you know, the movie is not about one of the 30 people who, you know, George Clooney is firing that, you know, and so you, so you need to, uh, uh, be aware of, of your role in the overall arc of thing. You know, if you're a young actor and you're coming in and you get a chance to, you know, whatever, do a couple of scenes in a TV episode, you know, you need to do your, you need to be prepared. You need to come, you know armed with, you know, with whatever it was that you probably did at the audition that they liked you know, but you know, on the day when you're you know, know, when you're playing somebody on the closer who's got, you know, two scenes uh, you know, you also need to know that they hired you because you were physically right for it because they, they liked, you know, your basic take on the character, and when you're there, you know you're serving the piece and in this case you're serving brenda lee johnson and the lapd and and uh you know you may find that some of the stuff that you thought about this character that was important you know isn't perceived as important by uh, by the director and the writers and the producers and the and the uh, and the the actors on the show the the regulars that you're working with and the, the biggest part of collaborating to me is 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 adapting your own expectations to you know to those of the other people you're working with.
0: So it's kind of being flexible. Really. Yeah. Being
2: flexible. Absolutely. Yeah. Is, is, is huge, you know, but also knowing when there's something, you know, that's, that's, that you, that's really crucial to your, you know, to your character, to the piece that you, that you passionately believe in, you know, I mean, you know, you, you don't want to back down and, you know, be, uh, um, trampled over either. You know, if, 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 if it's something that you strongly believe in that, uh, you know, one of my first shows in New York was an off-Broadway show and, uh, and there were some pretty established actors and some, some, you know, pretty, you know, guys like me and the, the director ended up getting fired partway through and a new director came in and and he really didn't understand my character and I became apparent. He was like a legendary guy and I loved the piece so much and, and my character so much and all this and I finally, like one of literally, you know, three times that I can think of in my 30-whatever-year career... I ended up just going toe to toe and screaming at this guy, you know, and and <laughs> and the whole time I'm thinking I'm I'm like having an out of body experience, you know, watching myself scream at this, you know, legendary, you know, Broadway director guy and thinking, "What the hell? What, are you, what the hell are you doing?" This is your, you know, but I, but it but it didn't what I was doing was was trying to speak to uh, to the truth of of the of the piece and the character. And interestingly, you know, after that I found out later that, you know, and you'll you, you work with people like this, that he was a guy who sort of had a reputation for always having a whipping boy. You know, there always needed to be somebody that he needed to kind of, whatever, take everything out on. And I think because my character was the the one that he maybe was the least able to identify with, and because I was some schmuck off the bus from Podunk, you know, that I was his first choice to, to sort of be the whipping boy. But but after. That and after I stood up to him, and it wasn't a hissy fit. It wasn't about my ego. It wasn't about, you know, it was it was about trying to make the piece work right and trying to uh, trying to have my character's voice be what I believed it to be. You know, anyway, the next day, I mean, I I went from there. I I, I left. That was at the end of rehearsal, and I and I went uh, to my agent's office, and they were just leaving for the day, and I walked in and I said, "Well, start looking," because I just got my ass fired because I was screaming. You know. And, and the next day, I, you know, I go to rehearsal in the morning and, um, and he treats me like an established Broadway pro and he starts jumping all over this other actress in the piece. And, you know, she couldn't do anything right for the rest of the rehearsal period. Jeez. Um, oh, not, not sure what the lesson to be learned is. But, you know, it's just, you know, you got to stand up for what you believe in. And that's, that to me is part of worthwhile collaboration. You know, I mean, if collaborating just means going okay all the time you know, then then that's not collaborating. It is cooperating, but it's not, uh, you know, right. it's not contributing. Right.
1: And if I'm doing my math correctly, uh, I think you're allowed to uh, have one blowout every 10 years.
2: Is that right? Well, that's been my, it's been pretty much mine. Yeah. Cause that was, yeah, your average. That was late eighties. And I had one in the nineties and, uh, and I had one like, yeah, so I got, so I'm, it's time for, sometime in the next 10 years. Oh geez. I've okay. It little could be coming. right here. Uh, <laughs> stay away, stay away from JK for 10 years.
1: So, We've established sort of these two uh, questions. One that, that we just recently started that I think I already know what your answer is going to be, and, no, and answer, one that no. we have asked uh, every one of our guests. The first one being, "Do you feel like you chose this career or this career chose you?"
2: Wow, that's that might be that might be a namby pamby fifty fifty, you know, because. Um, There was a time when I was, when I was in New York, I hadn't really gotten my, my New York regional career going. You know, I had, I'd done a fair amount of stuff in Seattle and and I'd done a couple of little things in New York. I was living in one crappy sublet after another and I was literally out of money. I'd come back from a tour that folded early, literally, uh, out of money. I had no money. I had, you know, that month's rent paid. It was like the middle of the month. I was talking to my parents on the phone. And again, I wasn't a kid. I was like, whatever, 28, 29 years old going on. 16 and uh, a friend of mine had come over and you know we'd hung out and you know he brought the beer and we watched the game or whatever and uh, he he leaves I go to bed I wake up the next morning and he's hidden a, a $20 bill under my uh, uh, answering machine just peeking out from my answering machine you know because I was talking about being broke and uh, and I I call my uh, I call my parents or I had no I had called my parents the night before and I and, and said Jesus God I don't you know if I had any other saleable skill, you know, if there was anything else that I could reasonably do and and felt like I could be decent at besides waiting tables, I would go do it now because this is, you know, it's making me crazy, you know, but for better or worse, you know, I didn't get my education degree. I can't, I can't go teach, you know, I can't go do this and that. I mean, the only thing I could do is wait tables or dig ditches. So I guess if I'm going to do that, I guess I might as well stay here and wait and see what happens, you know? And the next morning, there's 20 bucks there. And, you know, I ate for a couple more days and got some subway tokens and went to an audition and, you know, got a job shortly after that. And, and, uh, and again, one thing has sort of led to another. So, I mean, the, the amount of, of uh, uh, coincidences, and I'm doing air quotes, that have uh, that helped get my career going you know I, I sort of have to feel like it chose me but uh but I think because I didn't give myself any easy outs I guess I sort of chose it too
0: so you didn't have a plan b <clears throat> <pull> back on
2: back <laughs> no not really I was getting my original plan was to get a, a, my degree my college degree in in music in performance and in education and then I was taking composition and doing that too but I thought you know you got to be realistic how many guys are going to go out and have a career in you know connect the New York or conduct the New York Philharmonic, or or sing at the Met, or whatever. So you know, I'll, I'll get my uh, I'll get my education degree, and I'll do summer stock at the Big Fork Summer Playhouse, and I'll teach nine months a year in Haver, Montana. And you know, what's wrong with that? And then I went and did my student teaching, and realized that I sucked at it and, <laughs> and, uh, and hated it. I love kids, I love my kids, but uh, I just I just don't have the teaching gene, you know. Mm. So I thought, well, screw it. I just, you know, I've been in college for 5 years. So I'm just going to get my, you know, my performance degree and get out and see what happens. So, uh, so yeah, it was really it was really just a lack of options that had led to <laughs> nice. the, the career of, you know, venerable character actor J.K. <laughs> That's, that, that, that's going to that's gonna, that's gonna go on our
1: website. Is that the um, longest answer you've had to that simple question, um, by the way? Yes, and we've got one more, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, and the last one is, you know, you have had this, you know, uh, very long, very successful career, Broadway, off-Broadway, film and television. Um, if you could distill everything that you've learned in that time down to just one nugget of advice, like what you feel is the most important thing uh, for another actor, what would that what would that advice be?
2: The plays the thing. You're serving the play. I've always felt like you know when I was singing, and here I go with the long version. When I was when I first got into you know singing you know serious classical music, you know I, I was I was very passionate about it in any field, in any artistic field, really in any field, but particularly in the arts, in performing arts, you know, singing, musicians, dancing, acting. Most of us have an ego, but. I I really, I really honestly felt like there were people, you know, sitting in the practice rooms all day, just, you know, reveling in the glory of their own voice or their own brilliant tone on the violin or, or whatever, their own, you know, technical expertise. And, 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 you know, to their credit, uh, uh, they were probably developing technique more quickly than I was, you know, I just have always believed that, uh, you know, the, the creator, whether it's Brahms or, Shakespeare, or the Cone Brothers, or you know whoever it is, you know they're the one that I'm that I'm there to serve, you know, and I'm trying to take it from from you know Tom Fontana or James Duff who wrote it, and I'm trying to communicate it to an audience. So I'm just I'm just a vessel. I'm just an intermediary, and I and I really and, and <laughs> I, I, that always sounds like oh uh, I'm not a big Hollywood hotshot, I'm just, <laughs> but I, I mean I, I I very strongly believe that you know. If you're in it, you know, to be whatever, to be glorified for, for being who you are, you know, to be, to be rich and famous, um, please get out. And if you're in it because, uh, because you believe in telling stories and, uh, uh, serving your part in doing that, then, you know, I think you're there for the right reason. And, uh, and I wish you luck.
1: Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's a nice yeah. little affirmation for all our listeners. Well, thank you so much, JK, for, uh, for being here and for, uh, you know, uh, giving us your take on this whole crazy business. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it very much.
2: Yeah. Thank you for being, I I have to be here anyway. You guys came to me at work, which was very (laughs) nice. So, uh, it was really a pleasure and, uh, and good luck to you guys and to, uh, to whoever's out there listening.
0: All right, guys, welcome back. Hope you dug part two of our interview with J.K. Simmons. Yet another knowledge-bomb-filled interview. Um, again, thank you guys for for calling us and leaving the voicemails with your questions and thoughts, sending the emails, um, making comments on the website, sending us messages to the Twitter account. All of that is awesome. That That's really what this podcast is about, actually. Maybe like six or seven episodes in, back last year when we first started this, AJ came up to me and he said, He said, Trev... Do you think do you think we're ever going to like run out of things to talk about? And I was like, what do you mean like with ourselves? And he was like, just like in general. Like do you think we could actually cover it all? And I and I kind of thought about it and I was like, I don't think we could cover it all, but I think that without this kind of dialogue, this podcast would get old really fast, yeah. you know? There's like this evolving exploration of the different avenues of, that, that you have to go mentally and spiritually and emotionally and physically with your acting career. It's such a
1: and business business wise yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, there's a million ways to get in touch with us. If you want to send us an email, you can shoot an email to
1: inside podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at twitter.com slash inside acting, or you can uh, check out our individual Twitter accounts. I'm at twitter.com slash digital actor. I am twitter.com slash Trevor Algott you can leave us a voicemail at one two one three two actors. That's one two one three two 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 eight six seven seven. You can fan us on Facebook or like us,
0: or I'm sorry, like us on Facebook. now <laughs> Thank you, Facebook, for
1: changing it Thank yet you, again um, for messing with our heads. <laughs> uh, you can write us a review in iTunes. Please uh, you know, make sure you just you know slide that cursor on over to the fifth star <laughs> that's right click that one yeah it helps a
0: lot when they when we have lots of reviews like that we're we're hoping I think one day to soon soon get uh, featured in iTunes yeah that'd, that'd be, be really cool that'd be amazing um, so yeah you can give us a nice five star rating tell your friends about us um, you can please tell your friends yeah you can tell your friends and uh, of course last and certainly not least you can uh, you can send us some money head on over to our website inside dot com on the right hand side about halfway down the page there's a little donate button uh, your donations go through PayPal, and every penny counts. It's all tax deductible. If you're an actor, you can write it off as an education expense. Without your donations, this podcast would not still be going. I can say that pretty confidently now because yeah. we've we've fed the money that you guys have been so generous with sending back into the podcast in some very tangible ways. So, literally, uh, from software to hosting to uh, hardware. This podcast is
1: not possible now without you guys. So thank you so much. Definitely. And, uh, of course, you can use all those different ways to contact us, to send us your uh, crazy actor jobs. Um, Remember, that's still going on. The deadline is not until Independence Day, uh, July 4th. Independence Day. uh, (laughs) Please send us your uh, crazy actor jobs. We're starting to get some uh, rolling in, but we would love to get more. Yeah. Just so we We can kind of share
0: ideas on on what works and what doesn't Yeah. Practice. so we don't all come out here and think oh i gotta wait tables or be <laughs> a bartender or whatever it's like if you right
1: well you mentioned your friend who like walk dogs
0: yeah yeah walk dogs know? or so, you know do laundry, whatever like
1: yeah whatever uh strange uh gig you've had to kind of uh, uh keep the dream alive yeah. uh send that in uh you know uh, either call it in or 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 email it to us and um we'll uh, we'll feature it on the podcast we're gonna have like a crazy actor jobs episode so it's yeah. gonna be good times all right so i think that does
0: it for episode 26
1: 26
0: yeah. cool so for inside acting my name is trevor alga i'm aj meyer see you guys next week when i first got out here i didn't quite know um, I didn't know like where to go for, for acting stuff, so I would just like hop on the internet and go on Craigslist and um, sites like that. And I was on Craigslist just looking for anything. I didn't even know what, just some sort of lead. And I came across this woman who posted something and said she's basically an executive up in the entertainment industry, and um, she had a lot of contacts that she was willing to share with an actor, but um, the actor had to be like a 20-something white, like kind of all-American athletic jock type guy. And what she wanted was to play with that guy's feet for an hour. She just had an obsession with the feet and only on that kind of guy. And that if she could play with those feet for an hour, she would, <laughs> she would give uh, her list of contacts to that
1: actor. Her list of contacts? Yeah. What, what yeah. was this like? Did she, like, contact you directly? No,
0: I saw the post. And oh, you know what? She I think thought... I saw it on, online. I think I actually responded. I think I actually said, like... Cause I didn't know. I, I was like, well, this doesn't sound too weird. It's nothing crazy sexual. So Wait, I,
1: you responded,
0: I think, I don't remember. Maybe I did, or maybe I thought about it, but I think I did and just said like,
1: that's like, you know,
0: I, I, I've been out here for, I don't know, like a year or so. And, and, uh, I think I fit the description <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but I already have these kind of contacts. <coughs> maybe I didn't, I don't remember. And maybe I, did I, I feel like maybe she wrote back and said, oh, well, if you have those connections, then then don't worry about it. But maybe I made that up in my head. But that's the kind of shit that you you can run into. That kind of stuff is everywhere, you know? It's so scary. It is scary. Because she was
1: totally serious. I don't think we should talk about this on the podcast. (laughs) I think it's going to scare people.